Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Book Club on Sunrise Robot, where we can find more excuses to read all the time. I'm Susan. I'm Jeanette. And I'm Tara. How are you ladies this week? I am great, actually. It's been a good weekend. Yesterday was my husband's birthday, so we had a Bond birthday. We got all dressed up and went to see the new movie. And now we get to, well, now I get to plan our eclectic readathon. So, yes, it's a good weekend. Excited That's to talk adorable. About that. <laughs> I love that. I saw the picture of you with the martini, shaken, mm-hmm. not stirred, with like a zillion olives. <laughs> well, uh, my husband doesn't like olives, so uh, I was gotcha. like, "Well, if you don't want those, I will take them." And then, of course, it <laughs> makes it look like I'm eating olives, not drinking a martini. Exactly. <laughs> it was good. It made my drink olivier. If that's a word. Yeah. English majored, not a word. <laughs> Almost Tara's an English major, totally a word. <laughs> uh, how you doing, Tara? I'm good. Um, I actually started that 100 Healthy Days Challenge this week. Oh, nice. Um, and I set some pretty neat goals, you know, try to drink more water, uh, work out at least three times a week, walk at work at least three times a week, uh, no bread after like breakfast, essentially, and to try to eat more salads during work. And I've been meeting all those goals. So it's been really successful and really positive. And I'm doing boot camp, which is killing me. I mean, (laughs) literally killing me. But it is so much fun. You know, I've probably high fived more people this week than I have all year. Uh, healthy so people great. like to high five <laughs> they really do it's so positive it's just like go 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 and um i did a class with my friend yesterday morning and we were doing a travel circuit and it's this like squat jump squat jump thing mm. um and she hates squats so but we were doing it and going over and over and over and over and at the end we just sort of high five it was just so positive we just kept looking at each other and laughing it was great i, I think it's actually been it's actually something I think I'm going to stick to doing something like this. Good. I mean, that's what oh, that's awesome. being healthy is anyway. It's more of like it is more of a way of life than a diet, you know? Yeah. So. That's why I'm not trying to put too many restrictions. The only like real food restriction I've put on myself so far is the no bread mm-hmm. past lunch. Right. You know, at lunch it passed. Yeah. Um, no, that's great. We'll keep us updated so we can get you a cannibal and be like, hey, keep healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Will do. We'll give you some high fives next time we see you. Exactly. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's awesome. How about you, Susan? How are you doing? I am good. Um, just keeping busy as usual. But the best thing is that I got a new Kindle. Whoa. That is what awesome. Kind of paper white? It's the newest paper white. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't that huge of a difference from the old one, but there are subtle changes. Um, I do talk about it more on the Flipping Tables podcast that I hosted, um, guest hosted <laughs> last week. But I love it. And um, because it's new, you know, you're checking out the new features and stuff. Um, I did notice that you can now, when you start a book, you can now go into the menu and actually have them mark it as currently reading on your Goodreads account. Mm-hmm. That's all I want from my Kindle, right? too. All I that want is, is my efficient. app right? to talk to Goodreads. I'm like, Amazon, 
you don't need to lie to me. Uh-huh. I know you bought Goodreads. I know it happened. <laughs> so why don't you make it easier for me to update everything? Oh, no, I completely agree. And like I found out that you can just go to the menu when you start a book and like in the bottom it says, Mark is currently reading on Goodreads. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> Have you finished a book yet? On your no, not yet. Let me know if it lets you rate and review. Yes, I will. Because it it only indicates you on my current Kindle app Mm -hmm. to do it via Amazon. And Mm -hmm. I think that's obviously not okay. (laughs) I was going to use a swear word, but look at how I stopped myself. Um, um, So it's, you know, I... That's what I. That's the dream for me. Yeah, no, doing more stuff on the Kindle to Goodreads is basically what I want, um, and I think they're finally slowly starting to do that. So it's great. Yeah. So yeah. my only All right, thing Amazon is, take note, man. Take note. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want Amazon and Goodreads to become the same thing. I would like them to be kept separate. So from what I understand, they are keeping it separate in that sense, because um, that's what everybody was afraid of when. You the news first came out that Amazon bought yeah. Goodreads is like all the Amazon ads will be on Goodreads and everything will be integrated, but it hasn't so yeah. far. So crossing yeah, fingers. The only things the only things I've noticed is before Amazon acquired Goodreads, the Amazon buy button wasn't above the fold, mm. and now mm-hmm. it is. And um, now you can add your Amazon books pretty seamlessly to Goodreads yeah. uh, through some sort of interchange software that they created. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I haven't noticed any difference mm-hmm. since they purchased the product. Yep. Yeah, and that's what I've liked, so I hope it stays that way. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, they pretty much bought it for information. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. So look, this is another <laughs> yeah. huge data source for us. Oh, no, Excellent. That's, that's what they want. Them and Google, just yeah. all they want is the data. <laughs> they can have it. To a certain extent. (laughs) (laughs) Lords and masters, Amazon and Google, we worship. Pretty much. (laughs) That's our household. (laughs) Yeah. So, yay, new Kindle. It's really, really great. It's supposed to be my Christmas present, so. Oh, and you got it already. Fantastic. Well, because that means David gets my old Kindle. (laughs) (laughs) There's a method behind the madness. There is. (laughs) Well, yay, early Christmas. Yep. All right. Well, how about, since we know what you're reading on, what are you reading, Susan? Funny you say that, because I'm not reading this book on the Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm reading All of the Unseen by G. Willow Wilson. And uh, it's basically, it's like a, a, uh, a mesh for technology and magic, which is very interesting. And this one kid who is a hacker is basically found out so he's like on the run and to you know not get caught and runs into all these magical things i i'm only a quarter way through so the event- actual adventure part is happening now so hey i've read that book <laughs> and i think i've mentioned i've read this book on the podcast you did <laughs> um so it's good i like it um i'm reading it on a physical book because there were no ebooks to borrow um, so it's taking me a little bit longer to go through it. Which is really funny considering all you get to talk about this week is your Kindle. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I'm reading next month's book on the Kindle, so. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you, Tara? What are you reading? I'm actually reading next month's book. Well, actually, <laughs> that's a lie. That's a lie. I have already read 
next month's book, um, which is Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda. It took me less than five hours to read. It was so cute and so quick and so charming, and I loved every moment I was reading it. Yeah, you blew um, through this book. <laughs> me and Megan both. Yes. Yeah, we just sort mm-hmm. of picked it up and then just was like, I'm just going to keep reading. <laughs> um, it was, it, it's just, yeah, I got through like 40% in an hour or something. The first 40%. It was crazy. Um, but it's really, really cute. Oh, actually, you know what? I am reading a book um, in the, basically, what is going to be a failed attempt to completely black out my book bingo card. Um, <laughs> I am reading a Pulitzer Prize book right now, which is actually a book of poetry instead of a book book, because I'm cheating. Um, but <laughs> I thought maybe it would help me get there. And that is um, called Songs for Sirius, I think. Or no, Shadows of Sirius. Shadows of Sirius. I'm about halfway through that poetry okay. book. And it's really, the poems are really sweet. I'm really enjoying it. What about you, Jeanette? I am actually reading Carry On by Rainbow Rowell right now. Woo! Yeah. Um, so... If you're living under a rock and haven't heard about this book, um, <laughs> it's kind of a spin on like chosen one stories and like Harry Potter type stories. And it's about this magician, Simon Snow, who is supposed to be like the Harry Potter of his universe. And his roommate, Baz, who is kind of like the Draco Malfoy of this universe. And they fall in love, but they also are, like, destined to kill each other one day, basically. And it's fun, but I gotta be honest, I'm not loving it. Aww. Yeah, I You're mean, the only person I know to say that. Um, actually, f- friend of ours, um, listener, actually, Naomi, was telling me yesterday that she's not loving it either, so. Okay. Aww, sad. Yeah, so, but she, and the reason why I bring it up is because she, um, she met, said something, like, pretty perfectly, because we were talking about why we don't love it, and the w- way she put it was she'd rather have the actual Simon Snow books than this, like, I forget the way she put it, but it's, like, this version of Simon Snow, because it mm, started as, okay. like, Carry On started as, like, a fanfic in Rainbow Rowell's other book, and now it's Rainbow Rowell's version of Carry On. So it's, like, a version of another version of another version of something. And she was saying she'd rather have the Simon Snow books than have just a version of it, or a fanfic of it. And I think that's really kind of how I feel, because it's trying to be so many things at once, and I feel like I'm not compelled by it trying to be so many things but yeah i like it i'm just not loving it which is sad that is sad i i felt almost directly the opposite i felt like it was so easy for me to pick up and just jump into this eighth this is supposed to be the eighth book in the series i believe and just jump into the supposed eighth book in a ongoing series where i never read the other seven because they don't exist um I mean, I thought it was just really clear and easy to follow, and yeah, it does serve a certain demographic, or a certain, it it does go a certain way, but I think that, I don't know, I I think that it, 
I, I didn't have those. I guess I just had. I, I just thought it was charming. I, I would mm-hmm. love to read the other seven. That's how I felt. I was like, can you write the first seven Simon Snow novels? I would read them to, you know, to the moon and back. But yeah, I mean, it is charming. It's a very sweet book. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. But yeah, not loving it. But I will tell you what I am loving. I am loving that we are planning our own readathon. I'm yes. super, super excited. Yes, I know I mentioned this already, <laughs> but I'm really, really excited. I want to talk about that. Then so. let's talk about it. <laughs> okay, let's do that. Um, okay, so some people may have heard of the Dewey Readathon, which just passed, and we all wanted to participate, and none of us could. And then we had this thought: why not create our own readathon? So we're having an eclectic readathon in December. So. We have not finished making all the challenges and rules yet. You can still contribute if you've got ideas to that on our Goodreads thread. But basic rules is December 20th, which is a Sunday, we are going to have 24 hours straight of reading. And you don't need to read for 24 hours, but if you read during that 24 hours, it counts. And we're going to have some winners in terms of most pages read or most books read, um, we might even be able to do a winner for what most time read, right? Cause mm-hmm. yep. the prize is basically fame and glory because <sighs> yeah, it yeah, is. You have to participate, like up, give us updates and stuff. Yeah. Um, is basically the big thing. So we know you're participating. Yeah. And we'll have a Goodreads thread on our page just dedicated for the readathon and that's where you can post your check-ins and your challenges and we'll have challenges on the break times Mm -hmm. so and we'll post a list of reading challenges that day because i'm not i don't want it to uh be so easy to plan ahead to try and score all the challenges in one book (laughs) so i'm not releasing the challenges ahead of time (laughs) You never know. Like, you find the right book. That's true. So, so I'm not going to release those ahead of time, but I will release them the day of, and I will release the break time challenges ahead of time so you can know which times to post. But if you've got suggestions, you can totally drop by our Goodreads threads and start tossing in suggestions for our scavenger hunt or our break challenges. I mean, that's basically where we update everything, too. So, yeah. You- good spot for them to go to to read uh, of what's going on anyway yeah mm-hmm. so it's going to be a lot of fun you guys going to be participating with us yes <laughs> I mean <laughs> of course in a way <laughs> it's a competition <laughs> I mean that's your challenge challenge accepted <laughs> challenge accepted absolutely Yay. please do you know me mm. i do know you that's why i'm not releasing the challenges ahead of time i heard that and got <laughs> angry <laughs> i heard that when you said that and a part of me inside was like "Ooh," <laughs> and i could hear you getting angry which was really funny <laughs> yeah you, just, you feel the seating coming through the headphones <laughs> But I'll give you an example. Um, Susan had a great example that she posted on the thread, which was like a book with a plot tri- twist you didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. So that plot but twist, that's a point. you know that? You how don't. Can... You don't until after you've read it. <laughs> that's, oh. You have to read the book. That's the whole point. <laughs> 
But what if you read a book and it doesn't fulfill any of the challenges? Sorry. You still <laughs> got pages of reading. You yeah, get exactly. points for It'll reading go to pages. your page count and your book count. Yeah. And your time count. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And reading to, your, <laughs> reading to your kids totally counts. So I think we can throw in some challenges or some points for um, Yeah, I was thinking to kind of books. encompass all sorts of books. Yeah. So at least some people will score something for the challenge. Yes. The the scavenger hunt challenge. Yeah. Um, and there's always, you can also get points for the break challenges, which will be posted ahead of time. And those will be things, you know, like writing about something about the book. Um, I think another example Susan posted, Susan's great at examples, by oh, the way. Um, <laughs> another example she posted was you write a, um, you write down a song that reminds you of the book you're reading. Mm-hmm. So that would be a check-in yeah. challenge. Exactly. Yeah. And give you a break from, like, reading, you know, just kind of. Yeah. And to talk about yeah. what you're reading, because you'd never know mm-hmm. if what you're reading is something that somebody else is also reading. Exactly. So. Yep. It'll be okay, Tara. Okay. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. I think um, we should change the subject. I think so. <laughs> Let's go to our main read, guys. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Well, we read this week The Gollum and the Ginny, which I personally thought was really, really good. Um, But we do have some different opinions on this one. Uh, Why don't you guys start off by telling me something you really loved about the book or something that stood out for you? Well, for, oh, oh, go, go ahead, Susan. No, you go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> so one thing so that... So polite. <laughs> I know, we're so sweet. Um, one thing that really stood out for me was for, like, two magical characters, I really loved how human they actually were and how they grew more human as the book went on and how, even though they didn't understand humans... They totally were. They were people. And how they were so against it as they were becoming more and more like the people around them. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just really, 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 really sweet and like a great way to kind of explore the human condition. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know I agree with you. (laughs) Susan, what about you? (laughs) Um... On that uh, on that line, I agree. Um, I really liked Hava. Um, I I just liked her as a character, even though she wasn't quote unquote real. Um, I liked <gasps> her perspective. She's totally real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how could you say that? Um, but I liked how she learned. Um, I found it. Mm-hmm. I there were some problems still that I had, but in general, I liked the way she learned and how she kind of. Um, learned about human nature and grew. Um, I, I like that. Very cool. Um, so let's start off by just comparing the two main characters real fast. Um, thinking about the origins about the Gollum and the Ginny, um, how are their personalities reflected in their origins? And, you know, what about them are maybe even similar because of their origins? They're pretty much complete opposites when you look at them. Just kind of right away and just see a quick blip about them. Um, Because obviously 
Um, he goes by Ahmed, right? The Jenny? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Ahmad. Ahmad. Okay. Um, he's obviously older, so he knew more about the world. Um, but he was completely aloof and kind of looked down on humans, whereas Hava is like a baby and newly formed to the world, so everything is new to her. And she's luckily she had a good mentor to kind of show her the good nature of humans. <laughs> um, so in that sense, they differed, but but they were similar because they both still had no clue about human nature. So um, them meeting and kind of walking and talking at night, that was pretty interesting because they kind of hashed out what humans were. Jeanette, what do you think? I would kind of agree with that, but I would also add that even though they didn't understand what humans were and they were resisting it, in in that sense, like, they were a lot of, like, they didn't understand it and they were certain they didn't want to be part of it because it was so confusing and, you know, why would you do this? And I thought that was interesting that they both kind of resisted it and at the same time were kind of trying to drag each other into enjoying it more. Like, especially Hava, she was like, well, you know, you should be more considerate and sensitive and... You know, Arbeely's just trying to help you. And he's like, well, you should go out and have fun more. And it's it was basically like watching an introvert and an extrovert, like, have a conversation. What fun is. You know, (laughs) that's that's a good good comparison Mm -hmm. to them, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I personally am an introvert and my husband is an extrovert. So we have these conversations all the time. And I was like, yeah, this is, like, totally familiar. (laughs) (laughs) So... I thought that was really cool. I think what I was trying to get at is that the elemental aspects about them, too. Mm -hmm. You know, the golem is made of stone and earth and clay and human parts. Yeah. I think that's pretty specific to mention about this golem in particular. Because she's not like other golems, right? Mm -hmm. Golems in Jewish mysticism or in, you know... um, fairy tales are and they mention it in this book are big clay monsters that's entire purpose is to protect and destroy right like they're not meant to have personalities they're not meant to identify as humans they're not meant to be buddies with you you know i every golem needs to be destroyed that's just a, a fact of of their nature according to classic golem mythology but this golem doesn't and i i think it's more than just um i I think it's more than just having a good mentor though that absolutely helps i think the rabbi is pretty amazing we'll talk about him more later but i think that um being made partially of human elements i think gives her a more connecting force even more so than the Ginny, who the Ginny is made of fire and air, lives in glass palaces, ruins people's lives without thinking about it, just doesn't, until he be- takes human form, I think he really has this um, belief that humanity is just sort of there. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, uh, he's sort of fascinated about them, like, like, like people are fascinated by lions in a zoo. Yeah. Like, he doesn't really think about it. He saw them them. as a science project. He's like, ooh, let me observe this. Definitely. You know? Yeah. 
They're oh, definitely admi- other to him. Exactly. They're not the same. Yeah. He's like, I admire something about these weird creatures. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's fascinating. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not something where he identified with them in any way. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, you know, what do you think that... What do you think... How do you think those different... Well, I think I, I, I said it, but do you agree with me about how those different attributes... Um, affect their characters. And I actually think, Susan, I'm going to disagree with you on the, um, you think the Ginny knows more about the world. I think in the very, very short time, the Gollum, before the Gollum and the Ginny meet, the Gollum actually learns more about the world than the Ginny does. No, definitely, especially in New York. But I mean, like, he's been around for hundreds of years before, you know, he was bottled up. So I mean, like, he knew, like, uh, he knew what humans were. He knew, like, they could be bad and, you know, irritating. And like we said, like, you just kind of saw them as, like, something else. Um, but then he he then learns more about, you know, actual humans through Hava, you know, with their right. nightly strolls. Yeah, I agree. I think he learned... I think Hava's a better teacher than, than Ahmad is. Oh, yeah. So Ahmad does teach her <laughs> things. He's well. He's not a nice. And she, she wants to learn, like she does, and he's more like kind of an impulsive child. Mm. And in that sense, you know, it's like he just wants to like go around and do what he wants to do. And in that sense, I do see what you're saying about like the elements because that is very much like the way we think of fire which can be you know explosive and you know flicker everywhere and it moves and you can't always control it and that is very much his personality um but part of that is he doesn't want to be anything else and she does that's true um so if you look at the characters at the beginning of the story and the end of the story what do you think are the biggest changes that the characters make? Um, Hava and Ahmed specifically? Okay. Yeah, Hava and Ahmed. Um, well, I mean, I think clearly Ahmed at the end is much more aware of his effect on the world around him and the people around him especially. I definitely think he grows to realize that his actions have consequences and, you know, the people around him are more sensitive and more affected by the things he does. Yeah, Um, I agree, Um, especially when it gets to the part where he takes um, the little boy to his grandmother. Right. Grandmother. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. You mean w- when he takes Amarsi yes. back to yes. Syria? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, when you first meet Ahmed, you would not believe that he would do something like that, you know? Okay. <laughs> but then now it's like, you're taking this little kid to Syria? Like, that's... Wow. <laughs> I'm kind of impressed. <laughs> um, so he definitely learns more about compassion throughout the book. Um I'm not sure about Hava. I know she learned something, but I can't put my finger on it. 
Well, I mean, she lets go some of some things. Yeah. You know, she always feels the need to be so careful, and she does learn to control herself. Mm-hmm. By the end, I mean, she tells Michael to run, which I think is a big moving. But I don't know if that's Ahmed teaching mm-hmm. her. But I think her being able to let go and have friends and create a community around herself, like that's something mm. Ahmed really yes. teaches and, her how to do. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would um, say that she also, in that sense, she learns to be more independent. Yeah. Because the reason why she, well, I don't want to say the only reason, but some of the reasons why she kept ending up in trouble is because she was trying to hide behind people and depend on people to tell her what is right and what is wrong so she wouldn't end up getting in trouble. And I think he taught her to be a little bit more independent and to look out for herself a little. Yeah, I I think that she realizes that after she marries Michael, which I was kind of screaming uh, like, no, don't do this. (laughs) Yeah, oh my God, I know. So bad. Any, I mean, Battlestar Galactica fans—it's <laughs> totally a Sam moment. It's totally Kara marrying uh, Sam and not Apollo. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Another, yeah, I've already seen that this. That was happen. another no. Don't do this moment. I was. Uh, I, know, it's, I felt so bad for like, Sam. Why? <laughs> I'm like, you love Apollo. You know you do. Why are you doing this to us? <laughs> it's this like I need to feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this right. This person doesn't make me feel safe. Also, I don't think she knew exactly, unlike Kara. <laughs> I don't think she knew exactly how she felt about Ahmad yet. You know, um, I don't think she realized what sort of betrayal, you know, what this feeling really was. Um, I think she grew to that understanding, but she was definitely like, Michael is safe and I need to be safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and she wanted somebody to be able to tell her right from wrong. And that was not something that Ahmad can do. Because he barely understands it himself. And, you know, that's by the end of the book. Which I think uh, is hysterical because I actually think Hava is a great moral compass. Yes. I think she too. is too. But she wanted somebody to tell her. She didn't trust herself. And that, to me, well, especially made it even sadder. Yeah, especially um, after she attacked the guy. You know, that, that really yeah. scared her. It really did. Yeah. Although the guy totally deserved it, so whatever. I mean, totally. That guy's a... I'm going to curse. That yeah. guy's a dick. He's, he's <laughs> awful. I, that deserved a curse. Do not think that. <laughs> um, we'll yes. tell <laughs> Yeah, he was awful. So I, I'm, I was sad that she felt horrible. But at the same time, I'm going to be like, he completely deserved it. <laughs> Stop wasting your time on him. <laughs> I know. Yeah. He, I mean, yeah, he was just an awful, Mm. awful man. Yeah. And, um, what was her friend's name? Anna, right? Yeah. Anna. Yeah. Um, Like, I just, yeah, you're, you're just a stupid girl who fell in love with the wrong guy. You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't like to call those types of characters stupid girls. You know, I think... You know, I, I actually think she matures a lot by the end. I would feel... I don't know. I, I really like... I, I really like Anna. I'm actually impartial to Anna. I just was got really frustrated when she was um, when she was blackmailing Ahmed. That's when I was like, I know you're desperate, but really? <laughs> um, 
what strikes me as interesting about that blackmail scene is the fact that I understand why it makes sense for her to do, but also she saw what Ahmad and Hava are capable of. They're not the kind of people you want to right, blackmail. That's why, especially if you don't understand them. Right, which she that's didn't. Kind of, she's kind of stupid. I guess okay, not stupid, maybe silly, foolish. But yeah, foolish for <laughs> it, sure. Like you said, it's a desperate yeah. act. No, it it's is. a desperate moment for her. It is. It's just, you know, I if I saw somebody, you know, nearly beat somebody to death, and then I saw somebody else like glow and pick her up and everything else, I'd probably not be like, those are people <laughs> I want blackmail. Yeah, they can't get me. It's yeah. pretty much what I was thinking. Yeah. But, you know, she she learns by the end. She, she does, does I learn. like how she still hangs out with Hava. Mm-hmm. I did lo- like that. Because she was, Hava's really, by that point, she's her mm-hmm. only friend. Yeah. I mean, she's obviously nervous about it, but I do like how she just sort of gets over it. Which, I mean, I guess this is a good jump to the secondary characters in general, but a lot of secondary characters are extremely central, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of secondary characters are very central, I think, to the overall story, including Sala, Miriam, Anna, Matthew, Sophia, Michael. Um, you know... Which do you think are, like, the most important? And why do you think she really lent on those secondary characters? Or leaned on? I mean, I think they're all important in various ways. Um, Including the ones from the past, which you didn't mention. I can't remember the father's name, but I believe the daughter's name was Fadwa. Mm -hmm. I was trying to think of her name, too. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, yeah, they, I think they were all really important because they all kind of had a role to play in this story. Like, the, a, the way the end climax and resolution turns out, these, um, it's almost like a play. And every single person, like, has a part to put all the pieces in place and resolve the whole overall story. And I thought that was really, really interesting because the author does not spend time on people who do not matter to the overall resolution. Like, there's no description of other people in the town or, or not the town, but the neighborhood. There's no, like, kind of glossing over other characters. It's very, very focused on just people who have a part to play in this drama. Um, They're so Mm -hmm. important. Um, That's true. What about you, Susan? Um, I I agree with most of the stuff Jeanette said. Um, But I think, um, shoot, I can't remember the rabbi's name. Mayor. Mayor. I was going to bring him up next. Yes, I, I really think he was really essential. I just... I kind of want to gush about him, about how awesome he is. <laughs> sure, let's let's go for it. Let's let's switch over to Rabbi Mayor. I loved Rabbi Mayor. I think he was amazing. I, I too. I basically almost cried yes. when he died. I was, I was so, so sad. It's just 
It was too soon, guys. Too soon. <laughs> I wasn't ready. I knew from the moment that he, you know, met Hava that he was going to die. Yeah. I, you know, he was a little old rabbi. Yeah. She was a powerful golem child. And I knew it was coming. And when it happened, I was like, not yet. I know. Please. I know. Give me a few more pages. The only thing I'm glad about his death is that she did not have some yes. part in it. I was <gasps> worried so awful. that she would get angry and he'd have a heart that attack. That would so or, awful. I would have hated uh, the book then. Terrible. <laughs> um, but I think he was really essential in forming who she is. And hmm. I know that her maker, husband, master, there we go. Um, wanted like those certain yeah. characteristics in her, but like mm-hmm. the rabbi actually kind of cultivated that. He so, really did. I, I, that was that's like super important. It kind of made her who she is. Because if someone else got a hold of her, she could have been a totally different person. Absolutely. Um, what do you think the relationship is? I mean, more for <coughs> what do you think Rabbi Mayer thinks of the golem? his relationship to her as opposed to the other way around. I think he felt like kind of like a teacher or almost like a father figure, like instructing her. And I think um, in that sense, I I always found it really like, I don't want to say funny, but like awkward funny every time he said, oh, somebody's going to think I'm sleeping with her. Because oh, I was like, I know. Yeah. he hated I, that too. Eventually, yeah. he's like, "Oh, I don't give a fuck yeah. anymore. Who cares?" Oh, damn. Uh, <laughs> but oh, I sorry, think, I, guess. Um, I think, um, I think it was really like awkward, funny because it's like, it's like when you're walking around somewhere with your sibling, and you're like, "No, that'd be gross if somebody thought that you know we were together. They're my sibling. Gross." But it, it's also funny in that way like oh my gosh this is what i'm worried about i'm walking with a golem that could possibly destroy people but i'm worried about if people think i'm sleeping with her <laughs> is adorable you know morality important to the orthodox mm-hmm. jewish uh, group especially in the time period um yeah I, I thought the relationship was so sweet i mean i i especially like that he cares so much about her that he knew she'd be worried about being masterless and about mm-hmm. being without him. Yeah. That he created that spell for her. It's basically like, you have to want it, though. I'm not going to just make yeah. you. He, he was that, you know, be so wise. Like, he, he thought of all these little yeah. things that I don't think everybody, even a, a religious leader, would think about, you know? Like he, was, he was very meticulous mm-hmm. and very thorough. Um. I really appreciated it. I missed him. I know. Yeah. Well, I loved that he decided to make mm-hmm. it her choice, too. Like, yeah. that was, to me, that really stood out because that is something that is so key to human nature is our ability to make choices and right. our free will. And he makes sure that she has that right. access, even though she may not want it. She want, may want a master. But she has to decide that herself. I'm totally with you. <laughs> totally with you. Um, talking about religion in general, um, three different religions are depicted in this book. Um, 
how do you think the book honors them? Do you think the book did a good job with the three different religions and cultures? How do you feel? Um, I'm not familiar enough with all of the, um, all of the other religious, I want to say, rites and references. The Christianity one I thought was a little interesting because at certain points they just, the one, well, the one major conversation that Arbeli and Ahmad have about Christianity, it's not described, there's certain specific things that weren't described accurately, but I wasn't sure if that was intentional or not because it was Ahmad's interpretation of Christianity yep. versus right. actual Christianity. Unreliable yeah. narrator. <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> but I think um, Arbili as a Christian, I thought, was very, very well done and well described. Um, but I couldn't, I honestly couldn't tell you because I, I know about Judaism, mm -hmm. but I, I myself am not Jewish, <laughs> so I would hesitate to call myself an yeah. expert on anything about yeah. Judaism. I don't know that much. <laughs> well, the, the author herself is Jewish, um, and I, I felt that it was a pretty accurate depiction. Um, not myself having lived in 1920s New York, uh, that aside, in that specific neighborhood, but I thought it was a pretty accurate depiction of um, certain rights and how they feel about women at funerals and how they feel about certain things and um, uh, specifically the Orthodox culture. I thought that was well depicted and, and also like the aspects of the community and um, how they tend to give back. I thought that was well depicted and well done. Um, I thought it was interesting how little Syria was broken down though. And it wasn't just, you know, an Arab population and a Christian population, but an intermixed population. I thought that was uh, fairly interesting. Well, and something I hadn't known about the time period either. Well, I mean, I don't, I mean, the book takes place. I think the exact year they say is 1899. And I don't know about that, you know, that time I period. I think it was 1920. Oh, I don't Oh, I don't know. Um, but, um, <laughs> but I don't know about that time period specifically. I think nowadays, I think we tend to focus so much on differences due to, I think, world, you know, world events, uh, political events and things that mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about because we're talking about books. Um, <laughs> But I think we focus a lot on differences and conflicts, and I wonder if, you know, a hundred years ago, well, I guess it'd be more like 115 years ago, the world was different because, you know, when you're a bunch of people from the same area starting a new life in a new country, you have to stick together yeah. to survive. Right. And, and I actually thought it was really interesting how the two neighborhoods weren't that different. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. They just, like, like with the exception of, like, this is the Jewish neighborhood, mm -hmm. this is the Syrian neighborhood, w was it even really that odd or that different? I, I thought it was pretty... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah, I liked that about that. I yeah, did, too. It's I did just too. 
some people just feel comfortable around their own. So they think the other neighborhoods are different than their neighborhood, you know? <laughs> but they're exactly yeah. the same. You guys have, like, the same shops, same kinds of people, but you just speak different languages. But sometimes, since they're mm-hmm. just focused on their neighborhood, they don't see outside that box. And I think that's a part of the overall message of the book, too, about how this is a human... Heather is a universal mm-hmm. human experience. You know, that, yes, these two are two different groups, but, I mean, essentially the exact same experiences um but speaking about different groups how i I thought i heard somebody say i read an article and somebody said this is essentially an immigration story which is something that didn't get brought up um at our general discussion um and i'm not sure yet how i feel about this as an immigration story um but what do you think about that Hmm. I think that's a great description of it in a way because that is a lot of what's happening in this book is these people from different cultures arriving in New York and sticking together in these neighborhoods and these two new people show up and it's, you know, they're strange and they're different and nobody knows exactly why they're different, but they're from their countries or their cultures. So they take them in anyways, you know, people don't like, um, you know, don't like or trust Ahmad and they don't necessarily, you know, understand Hava and they don't necessarily believe the story she's telling about, you know, being a widow and not sleeping with a rabbi, but they know that she's from their culture. So they adopt her, and they give her a job. And the same thing with Ahmad. They're like, okay, he's part of the neighborhood now. He's weird and he's unfriendly, but he's part of the neighborhood. <laughs> one of Pretty us. Much. One of us. Right. But I, I think that happens a lot, especially when you go to a new place. You, you know, you look for a place to be home. And I don't think that's necessarily even just an immigration story. I think that's a moving story. I think it's a yeah. community story. I was, I was just thinking that. Um, because I, I agree, I think about it, I, it is an immigration story, it's just mm-hmm. a fantastical immigration story. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, um, I mean, I don't think it's a, you know, traditional immigration story, I wouldn't take it, you know, literally like, okay, you know, this is what people are like when they move someplace, they'll just give right. a job to anybody who can make some bread, but I do think there's a sense <laughs> of that you know, that community mm-hmm. in, yeah. in neighborhoods with a lot of people from the same place. And the rabbi comes down and explains she's a widow, says, no, she made me a great challah one night. You should try it out. And the guy's <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, challah's good. It can have that effect yeah. on people. <laughs> that is, that is truth. Challah's delicious. Challah is good. It is delicious. <laughs> uh, how cute was Christina? Uh, one, of the, one of the people on our real life talk was like her name is chava i'm like no no it's chava like chala i say chala um but yeah it's chava in case you guys don't know the yeah. i'm spitting it to the mic if you can't I, I listened to the audiobook so oh i love the audiobook did you i did i was just two minds of the audiobook 
Like some parts, I just was like, "I, guy, you're making me fall asleep." <laughs> oh, I, I love the, I love the voice and the pacing. I actually really enjoyed. I, I switched back and forth. I actually mm-hmm. really enjoyed the audiobook. Yeah. So in some parts I did, in some parts I didn't. Like I felt like he was right for some parts, and then he wasn't right for other parts. Mm-hmm. So which is which kind of probably clouded my opinion on how I like the book in general. So. Sad. This is going to sound strange, but it was a male narrator. Mm-hmm. And I, this is not a, like, relevant, I guess, but I really would have pictured this narrator's voice as female. I, I get that. I do, because a lot of the, it, a lot of it takes place in the female perspective. Mm-hmm. I actually, I think I always sort of viewed it as taking, like, the narrator was always Rabbi Mayer. That's what I was thinking in the beginning. I was like, oh. <laughs> like I, I just, I mean, though he does a good job with the female voices, he doesn't slack on changing his voice mm-hmm. up or down. Yeah, no, that, was, like, that he, wasn't what I was thinking. I was just, for me, yeah. that view was female. Yeah, but that's interesting. Yep, no, it was an old man. <laughs> I, I mean, but but I agree. I think that the uh, the book itself is a feminine has a feminine narration. I mean, whether that's because it's a female writer or because the golem has a larger overall part to play i'm not sure yeah i feel like character character wise it was pretty 50 50 with the male female ratio yeah probably in just in general i mean anna and sophia Mm -hmm. have huge parts to play um as like linchpin characters but then again all the other supportive characters are major supportive characters are male Mm -hmm. um but there's also the um, the one matronly lady. Miriam. Or Miriam. Miriam. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, she... She's not a linchpin character, no, though. No, no. You know what I mean? But She's in the story a lot, but... She was she was support for... Um, gosh, I can't... Aberly. Yes. Aberly. Um, for him. So, like, kind of... She kind of directed his direction to get him part of the story. Yeah. yeah. That's know? true. That's she was true. the matriarch of mm-hmm. that, that neighborhood. That mm-hmm. Yeah. So I yeah. felt like she was important in that way. She, I mean, she obviously wasn't a Sophia or an Anna, but. But she was important in, you know, directing Arbeely and uh, Saleh, mm-hmm. I think. Yes. I mean, yep. Because she I was the only Salah. one who ever. Yeah, he, yeah. She was the only one who talked to him. Yep. Yeah. So I think she was very important in that sense because I think he needed that direction. Ice Cream Sala's story is really interesting as a non-believer who becomes a believer. <laughs> I think that's a really interesting story that's sort of, um, in a way, out of place with this book. Because there's not a lot of talk about... I mean, there is some talk about belief between Mayer and Michael. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. Um. But other than that, and then also Ice Cream Sala's story, there isn't a lot of talk about belief versus non-belief in religion in particular. Um, Why do you think it's included with these three characters? And what does that mean, how they end up by the end of the story? Hmm. I think a lot of that discussion about belief versus non-belief, I think that was his journey. I mean, he spent a lot of time saying, you know, oh, this is how I'm going to die. This is how I'm going to die. This is it for me. You know, this is the end. But it clearly wasn't like he had more of his journey to take. 
And I think he needed to come to terms with, you know, what was really happening to him um, with the demon, not, what's it called? Ifrit possession? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, you're talking about Sala. I thought for a second you were talking about Michael. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I was talking about Sally, I, and I think it was really necessary for him to have that journey from disbelief to belief in order to finish his journey. I um, agree. He's sort of forced into believing, though, right? Like, Yeah. He's sort of like, wait a minute, I can see you. What's happening? But he's also glowing. He's like, why are you glowing and I can see him? Yeah, what's ha- yeah. And then well, it's ripped out of him. Like it's it his journey's yeah. very um he's very passive until the end in yes. his journey. I was he, actually really confused why he was so important. Um when he was first introduced and you know they talk about his back um, you obviously knew something was going to happen with him. Right. Cuz you get his history and his background and stuff but it's like why though? I I don't get it. <laughs> I really liked him though from the beginning, and I was really kind of excited to watch his journey. And maybe excited is the wrong word, but I was really really interested in it because you know he was this unbeliever. I'm like, you have to believe, you have to because there is a thing inside mm. you. <laughs> <laughs> and, I just want him to believe so bad. I was like, you really have to, or you're never going to get past this. And I, so I was really, like, rooting for him the entire time. Yeah, I felt really bad for him. Um, Because he just, after the, he got possessed, his life just kind of tanked. And he just goes to New York to die. And it's like, no, don't think that way. (laughs) I know. It's kind of very Mm -hmm. sad. But to me, in that sense, like, even though it was sad and I was, like, worried for him, I was far more interested in him than I was in Shalman, even though I knew Shalman was the, you know, the major villain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was going to have major roles to play. I was like, I don't want to read about you. It's because it's awful. All right, but before we get into that, because that's my next, that's, like, near, let's... (laughs) Well Shaman is awful. Shaman's terrible. Um, but keeping on track, what about Michael and Michael's journey into belief? Because it's sad. Michael's is sad, too. But Michael's is sad in a way that is not triumphant like Sally. No. 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 They, they're pretty much the opposite. Like, Michael believes, but then this awful things and a series of unfortunate events happens. He doesn't believe. You know? He's he doesn't he doesn't he kind of doesn't he come to terms before he he um, believes when he's like young and then he comes to not believe and then he finds out right. everything that he doesn't believe in is wrong is which real. is a weird way to go about it Most and then people. he drinks himself into oblivion <laughs> and then yeah. he's murdered it's kind yeah. of very sad uh, so I guess he doesn't really come to terms yet I mean I think he was. I think he was trying to figure out how to come to terms with his world being turned upside down. And Mm -hmm. I don't think he got a chance to finish that. I think just as he was like, wait a minute, this is real. Everything ended. And I think that in itself is really, really sad because in a sense, coming to terms with all of that would have brought him much closer to, 
the rabbi, yeah. which is something that they both wanted yeah, to happen. True. I think Michael's death yeah. is maybe the most unsatisfying part of this book for me. It because really yeah. he's a good person, you know? He he lives off nothing in order to run this house uh, for, you know, for disadvantaged people who are trying to get into the country. And he's just trying to do the best that he can the way he knows best to do. And it just seems like he gets, I mean, essentially, I hate saying this, but he gets a little bit duped by the golem. Um, yeah. And he enters into this life he doesn't know completely about and then gets totally sidelined when he starts to really you know, learn about what's actually happening to him. And it's just, I think, fairly sad. I I, I feel that I I wish he had gotten, I understand why they had to kill him. Because if you want to do a second book in this, having Michael around is really problematic. (laughs) But I I wish he had had a good end. Yeah, because he was a really good person. And I just felt awful. I was... I was also sad when he died. It's like, he didn't deserve this. Well, and I really wanted him to finish coming to terms with mm-hmm. everything before he died. And I don't feel like they wrapped that up, you know, officially. Yeah, I kind of wanted Hava and Michael to make up, you know? Yeah, yeah not... And maybe not even, like, make up, but at the very least, you know discuss or get some closure mm-hmm. like okay you're not yeah. well that's what i mean like i don't mean like we're back to being husband and wife everything's hunky-dory but like yeah closure, i, I you know? understand like, what you like, are i understand what you did exactly um exactly yeah. go be you go be like, you boo just yeah go be i don't you. just understand the situation yeah, they didn't even have to be like agree with it be like you know you tricked me get out but at least acknowledge mm-hmm. each other yeah right yep so Going back to Shalman now, Yehuda <laughs> Shalman is sort of uh, the anti-Rabbi Mayor. Um, he is a person who went through the rabbinical school, never finished, you know, but then started doing all of the dark Kabbalahist arts that no one really knows what they are. But you know, th- uh, you know, things like creating golems for people so they can marry them, which is just what a weird request. Um, <laughs> But he's a really interesting character and obviously the villain of our story, you know, having to go through new lives. And it seems like he experienced every different religion possible, was a politician some, was a religious leader in some, died early in some, but was always obsessed with this idea of living forever and getting the most out of, like, the darker aspects of faith. What do you think, you know, what do you think about that character and his role in the story in general? Well, Hava wouldn't have existed without him. I'm sure. Um, Yeah, but it was interesting when you find out at the end where he just was tied to Ahmed like that. You know? Like it was just. What a twist! Yeah, that was a twist. See, that was a twist. That would have been a point. On the scavenger hunt for the readathon. Except I saw that one coming. <laughs> I couldn't figure out how. Did you? I didn't. Yeah. Did you? Good job. Yeah, I, was, yeah, I couldn't yeah. figure out how. I was like, it doesn't make sense because clearly he's, you know, I'm like, clearly he's a Jewish man, 
you know, who's lived a human's length of life, but he's also the wizard, and I cannot figure out how. So that was the piece I was missing, was that he could Good been reincarnated. for you, dude. I just thought that wizard guy was dead. I no. just thought that was just the thing. <laughs> I could... Yeah, I thought he was dead, too. I thought Shalom was just following the being that would help him live yeah, forever. Yeah, had you know? no idea. So, like, the Ginny... Yeah. yeah, the Ginny obviously could once he was freed, so it's like somehow he's going to do some dastardly thing to make the Ginny free, but the Ginny then had to give him eternal life or something. It's essentially the Jafar you know? plotline, y'all. Yeah, it exactly. <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't figure out the reincarnation bit, which I should yeah. have, but I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, but that was that was really fascinating. It's because like, if he didn't create that bond between the um, between Ahmed and himself, like none of this would happen at yeah. all. You know, it's just his the obsession of trying to live forever, and it's like this is your failed attempt to trying to live forever. Look how miserable you were in all your yeah. lives. Which I I mean I totally agree. I think that he's. And he knows that once he regains all his memories, he's like, I have been desperately unhappy. That is mm-hmm. going to change. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, I thought it was really interesting that he's like, this is terrible. I've got to make sure that this never happens again. Yeah. And to do that, I'm going to do more villainous acts. And I'm like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. You were so <laughs> close and you missed. But he does recognize <laughs> And I think this is interesting. With given finally all the knowledge he has, he does recognize he's like, I've always really been into religion and I've always really been into politics and power. And he's like, that's gone. I'm out. Obviously, that makes me miserable. He does learn mm-hmm. something at the very, very end. He just also doesn't give in to goodness. <laughs> he's <laughs> being an evil person. Um, but he, well, but he does realize, I'm just so going to live a boring life. I'm just going to go yeah. and retire somewhere. I just want to do it forever. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my new goal. Um, yeah. Which is a change to his base nature. Once he learns all that information. Um, still evil. And I guess that's also part of his base nature. Yeah, I was going to say, but that yeah. is his base yeah. nature. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, power hungry people, as we know, you know, we all know Slytherins. Uh, it's hard for them to let it go. <laughs> well, that's that's why he's such an old man. There's no way he was going to really turn good, you right. know? It was just, uh, you know? So, <laughs> so basically, last question, guys, and it has to do with this. What is this book trying to say? What is this book trying to say about human nature and, you know, being able to grow, being able to learn, What's what's the end game here? It, human nature is growing and learning, and it's not about you know having all the answers or knowing what even human nature is about. Like that's kind of the point of being human in a lot of ways. I mean, some of the most human parts of this book were the the golem and the Ginny saying. Isn't it crappy being human? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it really is what we all do. We sit there and we say, I don't know why we do this. I don't know what le- this is about. And we all do it. And we're just like, all right, well, that's just life. And we go ahead and do it anyways. We muddle through, man. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of uh, along the lines that I was thinking is that it's just human nature is kind of capable of anything, you know, within reason. (laughs) Um, Well, because you see Shalman, he, you know, realizes what he's doing was not good, but he doesn't really change, you know. But then you have the essentially good person in, in Mayor, you know, that he's just good to the end. And then you have the, you know, wobblers like Michael. <laughs> um, it just, it, it takes, you know, it just takes all sorts of people. That's human nature. is just right. all sorts and we're always changing. You know, it's like the little things with um, Hava when she's trying to read the customer's minds, you mm-hmm. know. And she sometimes they change their mind last minute. And she's like, why did they do that? And, well, they changed their minds well, because they wanted and to. And I think that brings <laughs> up another good point about human nature is the necessity of choice and the necessity mm-hmm. of freedom. I mean, Hava, yep. when she discovers those robotic spells, is like, I could, I could fix the world. And like goes on this whole like spree of what she could do and then she'd just do this and then she'd just do that and then she'd always fixing her problem fixing her problem but meanwhile what she's really doing is just taking away everybody's free Mm -hmm. will and she realizes very straight off like oh no wait that's what other people want to do to me that's terrible Mm -hmm. i don't want to do that yeah and it's not okay yeah and i think that's so important like they make a lot of references to people having choices and free will and i think that is so important to that whole idea of being human. Yep. So. So yeah. you guys like it? Happy with it? <laughs> I did like it. I liked it a lot. I didn't love it. Like there were parts that were just so, I don't know, they weren't paced right to me or, mm-hmm. you know, there's stuff where I felt like they could have gone deeper. Um, but I did like it. I think I just wanted more out of it. Yeah. Susan? Um, I liked it. Uh, I liked it better than 100 years. (laughs) Oh, well, yes. (laughs) Um, But I I did, like like Jeanette said, um, I thought sometimes the pacing was a little off. So Mm -hmm. that kind of bugged me a little. And there were certain parts where I was like, I felt like it was a little too, not cookie cutter, but like very like Legoed in. Um, Yeah, it's like, okay, so like, of course these people were going to meet like, so it's this little tiny world. And sometimes I have a problem with that. Um, so I think it's just style more than like any like specific issue, you know? Yeah. So, but I did like it. It was, it was good. And it, it was a lot to think about, you know, it wasn't magic, magic. Um, it was magic with thinking. It was magical. (laughs) Yeah. It was magical. It wasn't mm-hmm. magic. Yeah. So, yeah. But it was good. I I really liked it. I give it four stars because um, I do think that it, it took some time getting some places. But even that, even when I was like, oh, the pace is a little slow here, I still enjoyed what I was reading. Um, I love that time period. I love turn of the century New York specifically. I love seeing it at night and like through the eyes of these outsiders i just really enjoy the perspective of the book a lot mm-hmm. so um yeah I, I would recommend it totally yeah, it's an interesting read for sure yeah it's definitely good good time so what are we reading next month 
We are reading. I think I already said. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, it's important to yes. say again. As what a reminder. <laughs> As a reminder, we are reading Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda um, by somebody. Give me the Thank author. You, Albert Anybody give me the author. Thank you. <laughs> um, which is adorable and the cutest read ever. And you should absolutely come and read it with us and join us on our Goodreads page and be a part of that discussion. See, that's why we have to say it again so you can gush more. Exactly. See? Everybody wins. And maybe we'll Woo! think of a shorter title, a nickname for this book because the title's really long. S V H S A. No, that's that's just that, annoying. That's just that's maybe worse. I'll just call it Simon for now. Simon the agenda. There you go. Simon's <laughs> agenda. Simon's agenda. So. Problem is if if you cut it down, it so- sort of reminds me of Scott Pilgrim versus the mm. World, and also good. <laughs> oh yeah, another good one. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, well, for all the books that we talked about and any other links like the Flipping Tables link where I guest hosted, um, you can find us on sunriserobot.net/slash eclectic readers nine nine. We're almost at ten. <laughs> We're almost at ten, what, what? which is gonna be exciting we'll have a surprise yes, for 10 well yes we do um, so yeah. and where can people find you guys on the internet well you can find me on goodreads at goodreads.com slash jmt rivera or you can find me on our goodreads page and you can also find me on twitter at dr jeanette that's d-r-j-e-a-n-n-e-t-t-e and tara you can find me on twitter at Tara Newman, T-A-R-A-N-E-W-M-A-N. Or just find me on the Goodreads page. We're all pretty active there. Susan? Oh, you can find me on Goodreads under Sue Lyons um, or on Twitter at Dudi Kaicho, R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. Or on Google Plus, I do put uh, some random book updates and whatnot on my Google Plus page, uh, Susan Lyons. So that's just keep trying to make Google Plus happen. Man. No, it's I love it, it because it could just be more specified, you know, like some people don't want to see my book stuff. <laughs> what I love do. about Google Plus is that only very specific people use it. Yeah. So that I when I want to know about those specific people, it's so easy to find it them. Is, They're the right feed there. It's just so much cleaner <laughs> than that, it is that's on a Facebook. nice way to put it. Jeanette. That's a nice, nice way to put it. Yep. No, it really is. Um, it's just cleaner, so there's none of that junk, you know? So, anyways, um, if you could, if you'd like to support us, um, you can go to sunriserobot.net slash support um, to find out how you can support us. Uh, special thanks to Bruce Edwards. Or you can subscribe. That's another way of sub- supporting us to your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. And rate and review us on iTunes so uh, all the other book lovers out there can find us. Um, Guys, we're still at one lonely review. Come on now. Love us. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm one of the... Or or, or just review us. You don't have to love us. Yeah, just... We understand we take some time to grow on you, but we do. (laughs) Like mold. Thanks, Tara. Let's not do that. (laughs) I was more saying, you know, show us some love on iTunes. Yeah, I like that one better. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so tomato, moldy tomato. You can have whatever. the moldy tomato. <laughs> <laughs> it's all you. All you, Tara. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, let's show this until next month. <laughs> all right, Sounds good. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>